I'm Bernard Fraser, and you're listening to The Essence of Cool. Listeners in the Ottawa area of Canada will know today's guest as the traffic reporter for CBC News. He also has a long history as a TV and print journalist around the province of Ontario. But in the world of music, Doug Hempstead is better known as the force behind indie rock project Area Resident. Since 2016, he has cranked out six albums of originals as well as 2022's Polycanard, a collection of unreleased demos, some dating back to 2003. On today's show, Doug walks us through his recording process, his new deal with Circus Records, and his essence of cool picks, Chrissy Hine, and the Flaming Lips, Wayne Coyne. Fasten your seatbelts and let's get started. But six feet on the surface, they say. It's six feet underground in the I'm hunkered down in a government town. Infected worlds around. Doug Hempstead, welcome to The Essence of Cool. Thanks so much, Bernard. (laughs) It's very cool to see you like this because, uh, you know, our conversations are usually over over text. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think, I think I can count the number of times on one hand that we've actually sat together and chatted, so. um, And, And it hasn't been in person in, I don't know, years. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last I, last time I saw you in person was at uh, a party uh, uh, at your place. Okay, that must have been three, four years ago, maybe. Because I think I have some 2020 David Bowie stamps from the UK for you. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have them. They're in my car. They're in the glove box in my car. <laughs> the next time I, if I happen to see you somewhere in traffic, I'm gonna. <laughs> cut you off like Starsky and Hutch style and throw them in the window. (laughs) I appreciate you doing that, by the way. Listen, first things first, mega congratulations on the record deal. Yeah, that's a, it was a, it was surprising. It was just a, you know, I, I, I have a, um, a a buddy of mine that I I did another podcast with Mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, the the podcast is, uh, is distributed in in partnership with uh, Circus Records, which is, Mm -hmm. um, it says it's based in Victoria, but it appears to me to be based more in Halifax and uh, Nova Scotia anyway. And, um, and uh, and I asked about I had never heard of this label before, and I looked, and there's some some mutual friends of mine that were were on it. Um, Bruce Enlow from uh, who used to have the Branch Restaurant in Kempville. Bruce right. mm-hmm. Enlow does uh, is quite a good musician, and uh, he's on that label. And and so I made some inquiries about, hey, what, you guys, you know, interested in more acts? And they they said, well, we'd love to meet with you about that. And uh, I talked to them, and they didn't have, um, you know, they couldn't afford it. Um, uh, and uh, but said that uh, you know they they are always applying for grants and if something changes so get in touch and about two weeks later they did and so now area residents on on is uh, I wouldn't necessarily say on that label like it's not like you know the old days but like um, I got signed to Chrysalis or whatever you know <laughs> it's a uh, um, it's more they they call it the the Circus Records community and. Um, 
So sometimes I do things as a community, like work on compilation albums or uh, um, support each other's uh, work and projects and and um, and campaigns. And and then uh, you know when when I when I'm I'm working on a, on my eighth album now, and when that comes out in the spring, um, if everything goes properly, uh, it'll it'll come out under the uh, you know on that label, and then. Um, I guess it it just helps me with access to you know maybe lowering the the cost of of getting promotional materials like CDs and cassettes made. Um, also, you know they'll help um, shop it around to college and community radio stations. So I think you know when when you know, you've done this yourself, sending sending uh you know these these uh these um uh you know these these, these um artist packages and stuff to to radio stations and when it comes from a guy or a, or a woman or a person any individual you know it's you know um you try to make it memorable you try to make yourself stand out but when it comes from 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 a label that they you know probably hear from fairly often i think this has a bit more credibility yeah. immediately so it the, the chances of it getting opened um and looked at or listened to i think increases because it's coming from a, an organization rather than just mm-hmm. an individual so i'm counting on that uh, basically translating into more um more community and college radio uh play um and and, and you know maybe a bit more um online press as well but basically yeah that's that's kind of what it is it's it's um i've i've cloned myself um <laughs> except this other this clone you know is a is an organization rather than a person right right mm-hmm. do they have a presence south of the border i no not much mm-hmm. not much not much um and and you and i think you and i both have 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 uh, have tried to make in inroads there because um if if you're trying to to uh, you know, to basically the, the name of the game for for indie artists is don't lose money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell that to my bank account. <laughs> so you try to break even, right? And uh, and sometimes you you, you know that, that that one of the best places to make a bit of money in this business is is getting yourself on satellite radio because mm-hmm. that's where the royalties are. And 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 these some of the college and community radio stations in the states, some of those are are certainly uh on call on on uh, on satellite radio more than they are in this country right so um but the problem with, with canadians trying to get on the radio down there is you really do need to hire somebody to do a campaign for you so yeah. um whatever your overhead was initially it's now gone up by probably anywhere between 500 bucks and two thousand dollars right so mm-hmm. um although the cool thing with that i found and i don't know if you found this is that um once they do a campaign if the the those american campus stations like you they tend to stick with you uh for the next round whether or not you're represented by one of those and i've got uh, there's several stations on the east coast that continue to play me and dig into my back catalog which i never sent them Mm. uh, and play stuff which is very very cool so there can be some benefits of at least doing one round of that kind of american press and uh, yeah yeah Yeah, i i i I did i did one for for uh for jardinova which was the album that came out in uh uh 2020 Mm -hmm. the start of the pandemic there and and um and and the, the cool thing that the, the I can't remember the name of the company that I used to, to promote it in the states, um, but the cool thing they sort of taught me was um, they said, okay, here's 
here's the stations that have put you in their uh, in, in their in their library um, to, and have agreed to play you. And here's the ones that are playing you. And here's the ones where they're playing you enough that you're actually charting. Yeah. And and so um, and and they tell you write to them and don't just cut and paste. Don't write them a form letter. Actually, write to them, you know. And and so I started doing that. And it, you know, these the uh, they would send me a report every week. I think it was like on a Monday or Tuesday or something like that. And and um, they told you to write back to them before Friday yeah. or on Friday or whatever it was, and 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 thank them for putting you in or whatever. And uh, so the good thing there is is when when these people, some some of those people, not all of them, maybe not even most of them, but some <laughs> wrote back to me to say, hey, great, no, we really love uh, area resident and blah, 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 and this kind of thing. Um, and so then I would have some sort of rapport, right? And then mm-hmm. that means that with the next albums, um, I can write them saying, hey, remember me? I'm back. Um, this is the new record. Uh, uh, like the other stuff, I think you really like this. Um, and that's, that's worked. Um, sometimes, you know, to the... These aren't a lot of these radio stations. They aren't they aren't paid positions, right? So these people don't don't always stick around. Um, they move around, and, and uh, so you you know you lose your your contacts. So again, another reason to be um, associated with a label, even if it's just in, in this country. But for me, this isn't my this isn't my day job. This is this is my my art. This is my fun. This is, um, I just don't want it to, I like to break even. I have to take it seriously because I want people to take it seriously. And, um, and I think it's good. (laughs) I think it's great. And I think it's a huge first step in trying to share the load because I mean, you and I both know that, uh, it can be quite taxing when you're reaching out to, you know, upwards of, you know, four or 5,000 contacts around the world, uh, trying to spread the word. It's nice <laughs> to have somebody on your side that helps. Do they help with distribution at all? <laughs> I don't, I don't have that many contacts. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you'll have to send me some of those. Okay. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of synth pop contacts. I don't know how much good, yeah, good no. they do you, but. Uh... They won't do me very good now. Yeah. they will be like, what is, what is, what is, what year is it now? 1992? This is crap. Um, sorry, you were asking me a question. <laughs> Yeah, I wondered if they helped with distribution, or do they help at all with sort of yes, the physical well, yeah. copies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I'm, I have a bunch of physical copies of my stuff already, um, uh, some some vinyl, some CDs and stuff. So I I, I ship them out to uh, to Nova Scotia, and and they'll uh, they're they'll be, they're available in, in, in on their website and uh, via their Bandcamp oh, as good. well. So it's just like another. You know, I've I've opened uh, another Tim Horton, so okay. you know, six blocks away. You recorded your first area resident, and this is a testament to how prolific you are. In 2016, uh, 2022, you're working on your eighth. But you, in 2016, you were what? Late 30s, early 40s? Yeah, I, I turned 40 in 2013. So okay, I was 43. so you're in your 40s. What prompted you? to start writing recording actively in that way. I mean, I know you've been involved in music forever, uh, you know, since you and Jordan were, you know, five or six years old, but what prompted you to get started in that way, sort of actively writing, recording and distributing your, your music? Um, well, I was in a, I was in a band um, here in Ottawa and, uh, and I, um, I, I had uh, I'd started contributing some of my own songs to it that we were doing and um i had always been i've been recording my own stuff at home uh like like sort of four, four track it's actually it was a right. digital it was actually a digital eight track um uh fostex mr8 
And I've been doing this because like, I, I couldn't play gigs anymore with like, you know, rock bands and cover bands, whatever bands, because I had two little kids. So right. I just found that it just wasn't fair I just, you know, to go on a rehearsal night or two and then the gig every week and whatever. It was just, that's not, that's something that a, um, a dad and two young kids can do. So I, I thought, well, I still do music. I'll just see if I can record in the basement. I'll just do music for myself, see if I can come up with songs. And so I started doing that. And I've been doing that for a few years um, until I was working at the Ottawa Sun here in Ottawa. And, and uh, me and a couple of co-workers, we started a band and I contributed a few songs. And, and they went over fairly well. And when that band um, sort of uh, broke down, broke apart, um, I, I, I decided, well, maybe maybe my own songs is something to pursue. So I, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine, um, Jim Bryson here in Ottawa, who's a lot of people probably know Jim. He's quite a quite a good singer songwriter and uh and has I mean, a producer too quite a good producer and uh and it was because of this that uh, that I, I um I, we sort of became friends i met him uh through my work and uh went out to his place in, in stitzville and uh because he's a guy that's like you know the same roughly the same age as me a little bit older than me same age as me two young daughters just like me um and uh and he's he's doing music um based at home and I, I liked him with with sort of same similar taste from the same you know, the same uh, same branch the tree and um, and I said I'd like to show you some of the stuff that I've that I've done at home. Do you think this is worth pursuing? Um, what do you think I should do with it, if anything? You know, because I knew he'd be honest with me, and he said he thought it was he thought it was good, and um, he told me the one he said this one in particular is quite good, and he says yeah, actually you, you may want to actually connect with a friend of mine, uh, Michette, um, he's flecking big big sky, um, you should connect with Mish. I think you guys could probably um, uh, create something interesting together. So I did. I called called his friend Mish, and, and uh, Mish contributed guitar um, to what became my first album. But I I, I reached out to to um, our mutual friend uh, Jordan Zadarosny, who runs um, Skylark Park, and as you mentioned, I've known Jordan since grade one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had already done this for me once. He I I had sent him um, all of the tracks that I had done for this one song. So drums keyboards, guitar, bass, vocals and stuff and sent them all individually to him. Um, uh, I think by a Dropbox at the time. And, uh, and, and he opened up my files in, in Pro Tools and, and mixed it better. Um, I think he added some hand claps to it and, and, and made it sound quite good and sent me, sent it back to me. And it's like, wow, that was, this is a cool process. So I said, do you think, I said to Jordan, I said, do you think that we could maybe try to make a whole album that way? Because I think I have, I think I have a bunch of songs. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll give you a, give you a good a good deal on it." And uh, and also, he gives me his honesty. So, what I get for a very very small fee from him is uh, is first of all, he'll tell me if the song is crap, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> including like you know, I like the I like the I love the bridge, but I I don't love the chorus. The verses are okay, but I love the bridge. Um, so I'll take the song back and I'll, I'll turn the bridge. That's going to be the chorus. <laughs> when, you have, when you're working digitally, that's you can do that stuff. So I've done that a number of times with songs. Where you, you know, and, and I'll send him stuff. And, and um, because he can get a much better drum sound than I can, and he's a much better drummer than I am, um, I usually will put down just like I'll create some, um, some drum performances electronically uh, to give him an idea of, of sort of how I can hear it in my head. And uh, and I'll tell him the, the tempo, uh, the, the beats per minute of the song, and he'll replace 
those fake drums with real drums. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll he'll provide anything I suggest him. I'll, I'll tell him. I think this really needs like a. This, I'm hearing a farfisa, or I'm hearing I'm hearing that custard pie guitar sound from from physical graffiti. You know, and, mm-hmm. and he's got a he's got a super amp and, and a less pulse. So he can totally do that. Um, you know, and and I'm hearing that. But he'll also just go like he'll just. He'll just, he'll just, he'll see, I replaced your bass track because it was because it was it was out of tune and shitty. Um, <laughs> you know, so he'll do that too. And and but if I ask him, he'll he'll do backup vocals or or whatever that kind of thing. Um, he'll just you know he'll even like uh, you know I um, you had a bridge there it didn't fully really fit so I switched it and made it your outro instead. Mm. Um, so he's kind of a collaborator rather than just a somebody who's receiving these files and making them sound as good as possible. He actually is helping me to, to become a better songwriter. And, and, uh, and, and I, and I trust him. He doesn't let me embarrass myself because um, I, 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 you know, I tell anybody who will listen that he's involved in the project. Yeah. So he doesn't want to embarrass himself either. Yeah. So anyway, he's just, he's an invaluable part of that project. And um, uh, yeah. And that's, that's sort of the process. And it, and it works for me because I don't, I don't write the songs before I record them. Right. So I, I don't like studio environments. <laughs> this works better for me. <laughs> so you're talking about Jordan and of course, listeners to this podcast will know Jordan well, because not only have we had him on, but we've talked about him endlessly with um, all manner of guests, um, including recent guest Phil Thornley, who uh, uh, produced Love Cats and uh, the Curious Pornography album. Mm. Uh, um, I reached out to Jordan, unbeknownst to you, just to ask him, you know, some thoughts about working with you. And this is what he said, if you'll indulge indulge me. Well, Doug is a special case, because (laughs) I I love that first line, Doug Doug is a special case. I'm not sure where he's going with that. Uh, Because we know the architecture of each other's brains so completely, given our lifelong friendship. I find it fun digging into our collective bag of influences and knocking him out with a cool solo or texture. Doug is also completely free in how he approaches recording his songs. He has zero ego and offers total freedom to his collaborators, which helps me give give him inspired stuff, hopefully. What does that make you think of when you hear some words like that from Jordan? It's fantastic because I, you know, I just I use him as sort of a a canary in the coal mine, right? Um, as long as he's still involved, it means that what I'm doing is worthwhile. He equates a lack of ego. <laughs> he thinks I have a lack of ego because I I uh, um, I'm self I'm self deprecating. Um, and, and I'm not, I, I have an ego for sure. Um, you couldn't do this without one. I don't think I let him have creative freedom because, well, why the hell wouldn't I, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like I do, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, um, you, you, you hired Todd Rundgren to produce your album. It's like, but I really want this to sound like, you know, you know, those Mutt Lang records, I really want it to sound like that. And it's like, why didn't you fucking while I am not lying? Um, I want Jordan involved because I really like what he brings to the table. I also, I know him better than I know his music. And one thing that I've, that's always been, you know, it's, it's weird. You have a lot of, I'm sure you have people like this as well, where it's kind of weird when you have a friend who also is a musician because in, in invariably you're going to either like the person more or the music more. <laughs> and sometimes 
you it's like you know who do you love more do you love do you love jordan or blank of the star more um who do you relate to i relate to jordan better than i relate to blink of the star right that's always been the case in fact for a long time i had a really difficult time listening to blink of the star because i couldn't i couldn't um it just felt it felt weird to me it felt like i'm i don't know i don't know this <laughs> right i know i know him and i'm not sure where all this is coming from and uh and it was also good, and I found it um, intimidating. And uh, I've, I've, you know, in the past few years since I've been come involved with him musically, now I, I, I really do enjoy it. But I, the, the, the other reason it was sort of hard for me to resolve is me and Jordan's relationship. Jordan and I's relationship, it, it um, it's kind of based on humor, right? Mm-hmm. We we make each other laugh. We we love to make each other laugh, and we love to find things that are funny. And if we can't find things that are funny, we'll create things that are funny. And and uh, can I just while you're on that note, can I just ask you about Polly Kennard? <laughs> well, that comes from yeah, exactly. That's that's a we were in French immersion together, and it was a it's a nonsense word. It's also it's the name of my latest album, and and it's a it's the it's a it's a nonsense word that I created. Um, it means nothing. I guess it means multi duck. But it means nothing. It's not a word. And, and in French immersion, I would ask several times a week. Um, like I was reading it in a book. Monsieur, uh, qu'est-ce que c'est un polycanard? Oh, no. oh, monsieur. It would just exasperate them, right? And I would ask every teacher this all the time. What, what's, a, what's a polycanard? Um, so we would get a kick out of this all the time. Um, we would do that kind of that stupid stuff. So... So it, the, the Jordan that I know, the Jordan that is a dear friend of mine, is like, you know, um, just, just one of my favorite people, is funny and creative. And I don't find Blink of the Star to be terribly funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, do you know what well, I mean? That's interesting because uh, you knew him for 20-odd years before Blink of the Star came into existence. Sure. Right. Whereas I met him at the same time as I met Blinker the Star. So I don't have that same perspective because I've kind of I've gotten to know them equally. Yeah. And although, you know, like you, I mean, I love Blinker the Star, but I really love Jordan. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I can hear in like I can hear influences uh, in Jordan's music. I, like I always have. And they've changed. Like his first you listen to his first album. And you can tell mm-hmm. damn well what he was listening to at the time. Right. You know, um, a, a whole lot of, um, you know, Richard Thompson, Husker do and Dinosaur Jr. Mm-hmm. And um, and and I and I know the kind of stuff he likes. He likes he likes he likes real poppy stuff, real, real tight arrangements, mm-hmm. um, real uh, poppy drums, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Phil Collins, Talk Talk, uh, Prince, you know, this is the kind of stuff that he really likes. But, and that's, you can, you can sense that when you listen to Blink of the Star. Mm-hmm. But he also fucking loves Kiss. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and Hawkwind and yeah. Thin Lizzy, you know? <laughs> so there's that guy. And yeah. so... And it's it's that guy that I, I I try to I try to lure into area resident. It's like if there are two Jordans at a Rosneys, <laughs> you know, the one that's going to order a, a quarter of fifty at the at the Chateau Lafayette. That's the one that's <laughs> that's that's contributing to my albums. Uh, <laughs> thanks, he's mine. And and we kind of have a thing where he's got he kind of uh, has this thing where like. Um, um, it was the kind of like a like a deal he made for himself that he wasn't if he was going to put us uh, before he put like a guitar solo in a song. So I would never play a guitar solo. I have done a few, but <laughs> so um, 
is that he had kind of like a thing where he would have two double IPAs <laughs> before he even attempted to do it. And then he would just, he would just, when you would just do it, like he wouldn't practice, he would just do it. Two right. double IPAs and then do the solo. And the results, <laughs> my God, my God, they're just great. And there's the stuff he does on, on my albums and, and maybe the stuff he does for other people as well. It's nothing at all like what he does for his own music. It's nothing at all like that. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, this is a guy who, if, if you asked him to do a bluegrass album, he could do a legit bluegrass yeah. album. He could do, um, you know, a, a pop album. A pop, he's, done, he's done metal records, and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. thrash and country and, uh, you know, everything. There's no place like home by the riverside I had no, I had no band, right? Like I just did the songs myself with, right. with Jordan's help, and so the thing came out. I think it was in November of 2016, uh, maybe earlier October, and and I got a, I got a message from from Paul at uh, Black Sheep mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, you know, when do you want to come and play?" I've never played we've never played there is no we it's me and I don't have a band and I don't know how to play these songs because I only ever played the parts I never played the songs I only played the parts and sometimes only once I don't even know what key they're in right (laughs) (laughs) no idea it's funny people still ask me that like the band that I'm playing with now they'll ask me what what what's that what's that bridge in (laughs) I only wrote the song give me give me your bass and I'll tell you I have no idea (laughs) shit I have no idea you think I know I can remember the words Oh, I hear you. I sang them once. So, so anyway, I had to put together a band, but it was the same thing with the band. As I, I, I reached out to a friend of mine uh, in Pembroke and and said, Jesus, you know, do you know anybody in Ottawa who who would want to play this stuff? Because he he knew what the music was. He kind of got it. He got it. He got it. Understood area rhythm. It's my friend Randy Peterson, and uh, and he said, you need John Higney. Mm. I said, who's John Higney? He said, oh, John, I know him from London. We went to, went to university together there. And, um, you know, he's, he's a band called The Flaps and, and um, Two Minute Miracles. You need, you need Higney. Higney's what you need. That's what you need. It's Higney. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, I, I basically uh, followed him on Instagram, Higney. Mm. And uh, not, a, not at all knowing just how well-known in Ottawa he is and how like, mm-hmm. He's a doctor of music, for God's sake. <laughs> I I know one guitar chord. It's G. It's the only one I can play. Everything else is just open tune. So anyway, I reached out to Higney and I said, hey, um, and he knew me from the radio. And I said, um, uh, I think we should be friends. I think that you and I should be, I think you should play in this band with me. I think, um, you know, my friend Randy says that you're perfect and can you come, will you do this? And he's like, no, no, man, I, I, I haven't got time. I haven't got time. I'm way too busy. I'm teaching and that. And I just, I can't take it on right now. I said, okay, fine. And uh, I called him back like 10 minutes later. <laughs> he said, please. <laughs> and he said, okay. He said, I don't need to say okay. He said, but actually, I think I've got another guy who might be interested. We've been looking for something to do together. So he, he brought along his friend Paul Jensen, who's also a guitar player. And I, uh, I brought in uh, bass player uh, Christy Neese, who I work with at CBC. And, uh, and there was the band. Um, 
But again, you know, like when when you show up on the music scene, and and your guitar player is John Higney, um, who lots of people around Ottawa have been trying to get him to contribute to their projects, mm-hmm. you know, with no success. Or like, wait, Higney, huh? Yeah. <laughs> How did he get Higney in his band? And it's like, I have no fucking idea how I managed. I just asked him. I basically begged him, please. You know, I just basically begged him and he said yes. But talk about instant credibility, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's it. It's it's you know, um don't try to do this yourself. Right. Don't, <laughs> don't try to do this yourself. Because that's when see Jordan just told you that he thinks I have no ego. That's why he thinks I have no ego, because I don't try to do this myself. You know, one of the things that you're known for is writing about things that are in the news. And what a wonderful opportunity, because you sit in a newsroom all day, uh, day in, day out. So there's, uh, you know, tons of, uh, of inspiration there. I want to ask you specifically about the song, Your Pepper. I read a story uh, about this couple in the Saganings who were preparing dinner and cut open uh, a, a green pepper, I guess a green pepper, a pepper anyway. Right. And there was a live frog inside it. <laughs> so, it kind so of writes itself, it, I guess, eh? So how did it get there? <laughs> Which is the refrain of the song, how did it get there? Um, I don't know if it was a real story, right? but it was a story. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I, I used it. There's the I think the refrain in that song is um, is about being uh, left alone, mm. right? Yeah. And uh, and I love that because if you didn't know what the song's about, it's uh, it sounds like I'm like I'm, it sounds like I'm asking people just, just leave me alone. Mm. Um, and it's not what's happening. What it is is I'm I'm being the frog <laughs> who obviously doesn't want these people with a giant knife speaking French, you know, to, uh, to harm him in any way. When I'm listening to a lot of, you know, certain genres or certain bands that, that will, that, you know, there will be musical inspiration crop up for me and I'll sort of steal like sounds or vibes or whatever and, mm. and sort of build a song around that. Do you do the same? Yep. Um, and then I totally forget about them. Uh, right. I listen to a, a pretty wide variety of of music, so um, right that that helps you not always sound the same, mm-hmm. which is a trick, you know. When you're just one person, the other thing I find that helps is that if I'm going to record a new song, I try to start with a different instrument every time, right? Um, or at least not always the same instrument every time. Uh, like I've got some songs that were written around the drums, mm-hmm. you know. I just I recorded a drum track and it's like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to have to write a song to that. I've had friends of mine. I'm one of my coworkers is a drummer and an audio tech, uh, Conrad. And, um, uh, for the, the album Viscount in 2019, mm-hmm. he sent, I said, can you send me a drum track? You got any drum tracks that you've done that you're really proud of? Send, send one to me and I'll write a song. About it. And he did he send me this drum track and it sounded great. And, um, and I wrote a song, uh, called, um, six domestic calls. And and basically, six domestic calls was was came from an email that I got from Kingston Police, which was uh, a roundup of all of the calls for service they had the night before. 
So there were three robbery calls, three whatever, six domestic calls. There were no drunk calls. Um, so the lyrics for the song, Six Domestic Calls, is basically me reading off the line items <laughs> right. on what the calls for service were the Kingston police had that night. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote this thing, I wrote this song that sort of that went to Conrad's um, uh, drum track. But the thing he didn't tell me is that this wasn't just a drum track he created for no reason. This was a drum track for an entirely different band's song. Oh, <laughs> right. And it's a it's a pop number, like it's a oh, wow. it's a full on. I think it's it's a so a, a woman singing. It's a full on pop song, right? And it has exactly the same drum track as mine, and it's freaking hilarious because the songs <laughs> are entirely different. Right. Like in pulls apart, <laughs> same drums. Uh, I've had that happen before as well, where where I've um. I've I've set out to um, there's a song of mine called uh, "Easy Way Out," mm-hmm. and it it, it 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 was one of the very first songs I ever recorded um, when I was doing demos and learning how to write songs in the basement with the, that Fostex. Mm-hmm. One of the first songs that I ever did that I was kind of happy with. It's kind of like a skyline pigeon, and I tried and tried and tried to record it uh, properly, including like. Even like a few months later, um, I tried it for the first album and it didn't work. I tried it, tried it, and tried it, and tried it. I couldn't get it to sound right. But on a couple of occasions, like the drum track that I'd recount, where I recorded for that song, sounded sounded great. It just didn't. I couldn't make. I was frustrated and screwed. I'm not doing this song, but I'm going to keep the drums. And so the first time that happened, uh, I, I I I put the song called McDonald Park over top of the drums. The second time that happened, I put a different song over top of the drums. I, so I, I tried to record Easy Way Out twice and ended up using the, that very dr- the drum track for Easy Way Out um, for uh, two different songs. <laughs> and then eventually recorded Easy Way Out and, and I got Jordan to play the drums on it, which solved the problem. But yeah, I, I, I t- tried and failed twice to record the song with two different drum tracks and ended up keeping the drum tracks, but forgetting the song. Daredevil. I want to talk to you a little bit about your song, Daredevil. You said that it's about sobriety, and I want to talk about sobriety for a little bit. Um, your path, you were very open about your path to sobriety. Um, and a lot of your tweets, you talked about it. And it was very inspirational to me. And in fact, one of the reasons that I uh, sought my own path to sobriety and I in about eight days, I'll be celebrating one year of sobriety. Tell me about how you got on that road. What made you decide that you wanted to become sober? I I started a new relationship. Um, my my uh, my my marriage had, had had ended, and I was with somebody new, um, um, Shell Lorenzen, who does does my artwork as well. Mm-hmm. She's a fabulous artist. Yeah, and. Uh, so we were we were we were getting together. We were hanging out quite a bit, and um, the thing I discovered was happening would be like, uh, uh, "Oh my God, the pantry's such a mess." I said, "No problem. I'll go get some beers and we'll we'll get some some drinks and we'll clean up the pantry tonight." Um, I'll go get some. Uh, we're going to go to Kingston for the weekend. Okay, I'll grab some 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 drinks and we'll go to Kingston. Well, it'll be I'll, I'll get some booze and we'll do this. I'll get some booze and we'll do this. And then it was like, basically, there was no activity that we were going to do that didn't. Um, involved some drinking and she wasn't a big drinker she was you know 
doing it too, but not to the extent that I was. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I was working from home. And uh, so the, the first drink of the day that I would look forward to as soon as I got home from work, you know, after six o'clock, I would be having it by two in the afternoon. Um, and anyway, there was, I guess it was one, one night um, at, uh, at Shell's place before I'd moved in there, but was staying there fairly often. I, we were, her son was over and we were hanging out in the kitchen, listening to music. And I woke up the next morning, um, in bed. Uh, and I don't, I had no recollection going to bed. Wow. Um, not, I had no idea how I even got there or when I went to bed and, uh, and show said, yeah, yeah, you were, you're pretty wasted. She said, but you were, you were, you're really funny and you were, you know, really sweet. You're saying all kinds of sweet things. And you're, you know, I was talking to her son and talking to her. And I guess what all the stuff I was saying was, was, was it great? <laughs> I had no recollection of it whatsoever. And I had no idea she put me to bed and I have no, I have no memory of it. And I thought, that's it. That's, that's, that's not enough of this. It's stupid. Um, and I just stopped. And, and for the first, first month or two, month for sure, it was really hard. Yeah. Um, because I can remember when my mother um, quit smoking. She quit smoking because she, was, she had to quit drinking too. But she had liver failure and basically was in an induced coma for two weeks. Oh, and that's how she quit smoking. But even after she quit smoking, like years later, she'd be like, you know, 10 years later, she'd say, oh, I want something. I don't know what it is. Oh, it's, I think it's a cigarette. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I would go through that as well, where it would start to, anytime after about four o'clock in the afternoon, it was like, I could feel like, oh, what do I want to be doing? I want to be drinking. And so I avoided, like, I avoided 0% beers because I thought I don't want to have anything that tastes like beer. I don't, I don't want to create any unnecessary gateways for myself. Right. So I had a lot of Diet Coke. Um, but the other thing I, what I did do though is, is, um, like CBD is supposed to be quite good for, for, uh, for withdrawal and, um, and anxiety. And I have, I have both of those things. Um, so I got CBD drinks, not THC drinks, not like, like weed drinks, but not, not the kind that make you stone, but right. CBD drinks. And, um, that's what I had. And I could, when I felt like I needed to reward myself, like I would re reward myself at the end of a work day with an adult beverage, I could still do that. Right. I could still like and reward myself with an adult beverage. And so I would, except it was these. And then I just stopped wanting those. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, I, uh, started on the, on the alcohol cause there's craft zero alcohol beer now. Right. Right. The Provo go over in Gatineau, like in Western hall. Yeah. Holy God damn. You've got like 30 varieties and stuff. Wow. And, and I went through a period there where I was overdoing that. Like I was having like, four or five of those and I and now I got that under control. I'll have like one one or whatever. I'm pretty good. But yeah, the, the period of, of withdrawal was really difficult. Um did and you then, did you seek you, help? Did you get no, in the program do AA no, or did I, I didn't seek help. No, I had a I had a supportive uh, girlfriend but I didn't seek help. Um I told my doctor I think two weeks after I had quit that I had quit and she's like geez you don't just stop man. I was like oh really? <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what you did. No 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 <laughs> no you're not supposed to just stop. <laughs> yeah. But I did and it worked. Um you know you, you mentioned the, 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 that um that I was very public about it and everything. Well there's a there's a reason for that. Like it's it's not altruistic entirely. Like I, I when when you declare 
something like that, you're kind of making it more difficult for yourself to go back, right? You're, yeah. you're publicly saying, you're being trans, it's like transparency, right? You're, you're, I'm, I'm saying, hey, look, I've, I'm, I've done this. And, and so it makes it more difficult in theory to, to fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you just, you remind yourself of the, you know, what your doctor said, that every drink, even one drink, does harm to you, yeah. you know? This is not a matter of, I mean, well, it's fine in moderation. It's not actually, it's it's actually really bad for you. (laughs) You shouldn't do it at all. Um, Do I think people shouldn't drink? No, I think that's fine. You know, absolutely drink. If you enjoy it, whatever, totally go for it. I get it. Um, it, It's it's awesome. But yeah, don't, don't ever say that in moderation, it's good for you. It's crap. It's not, it's not good for you. Um, So there's that you remind yourself that that, that you're not doing that to yourself anymore. And you remind yourself of the money that you're spending. You're not, you're not spending on it. Um, which for me was about 25 bucks a day. Yeah. That's not, that's not including, you know, restaurants and stuff and bars. Mm-hmm. So that adds up. That's, you know, 700 bucks a month, I think, or, yeah. you know, that's, that's quite a bit of money. Um, and then the thing I, I discovered as well, like, and I've been like helping a lot of other helping, but I mean, people will ask me for their, to, people want to talk to me when they're doing this and quitting it as well. And, and I happily talk to people who are going through it. And one of the things I tell people is, you may not realize it now, but you're going to save yourself a lot of time. And it adds up. For example, I was going to the LCBO every day, right? I went to the LCBO every day. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like my father that got one of those goddamn carts and <laughs> <laughs> cardboard boxes of, of booze and clinkety clink. There he goes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I would, I would go, I would go and buy the day, the evening's liquor requirements, mm. uh, which for me was about five or six beers a day and two or three 26s a rum a week. But I would go every day. Um, so a trip to the LCBO uh, is 15 minutes. You're going to spend at least 15 minutes there. You can spend another 15 minutes going home, right? So you're looking at about, what, 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah. Every day. So that's, you know, five hours a week man yeah <laughs> five hours a week that means you, you could watch the irishman every week right. you know it's 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 a lot of time right it is astounding um, yeah for sure. for sure five hours a week i was spending just getting booze yeah make sure to cover all the holes set that I think you and I both made our best albums as a sober person. That you you could be right there, you know. And that's funny too because the one thing I I swore I would never do was drink while I was playing music, and I started to. And I was, you know, I was drinking in the studio and I was drinking yeah. on stage and it was yeah. like and I was just getting sloppy and stupid, you know, mm-hmm. and it just yeah. wasn't good for anybody. Anyways, uh, I am really grateful that you were open and honest because uh, it really inspired me to become sober. And I, for that, I thank you from the bottom no, of my heart. No worries. So, yeah. It's like it's like you know, um, wh- wh- if you if you go on Twitter and say you're going skydiving, 
<laughs> right. <laughs> you're going skydiving. That's right. <laughs> or you're a liar or a chicken. That's you know right. what I mean? So I went on I went on on Facebook and told everybody I was going skydiving. Yeah. And and uh almost two years later I'm I'm still still skydiving. Yeah, and thank you for that. Uh, on that note, I want to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the first of your two picks for The Essence of Cool, Wayne Coyne. So we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to The Essence of Cool. As an independent podcast, we rely wholly and completely on support of listeners like you. If you like what you hear, please help keep us on the air and throw a few bucks in our electronic tip jar. You can find it on the front page of our website, theessenceofcool.com. We truly appreciate your help. Now let's get back to the show. We're back with Doug Hempstead of Area Residents, and we're going to talk about the first of your two picks. And I have to be honest with you, um, like so many of uh, the conversations I've had on this podcast, the people introduced me to, to uh, artists that I may know about, but I really didn't know much about Wayne or the Flaming Lips. I've certainly read a fair bit and, and um, watched uh, a number of interviews. And I have to say, I'm really excited because he is such a fascinating guy. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you first heard of Wayne and and the Flaming Flaming Lips. I first heard of the my first exposure to the Flaming Lips actually was um, the Batman movie with Jim Carrey in it. <laughs> There's a Flaming Lips song in it um, called Bad Days. Oh, um, yeah. So when the scene when the when the when the like the Riddler when he's still you know, before he becomes the Riddler and, and he's in his in his room in his apartment and he's kind of tortured and stuff and the song Bad Days comes on. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, in your dreams you can blow his head off. In your dreams, show no mercy. Right. Yeah, and uh, it's like, what the hell is this song? Jesus! So I saw it in the theater. It's like, fuck! I gotta find this. And I was asking people after the movie and asking record stores, "What is this? What is this?" And nobody knew what it was. And then I found the soundtrack, and it was there. And it's like Flaming Lips. Oh, okay. Cool, and uh, and it turns out yeah, they're the same ones that had the big hit with uh, um, yeah. She don't use jelly. Yeah, okay. I know a girl who right. Thinks she, yeah, she don't use jelly. Any of those she uses Vaseline. Anyway, it's it kind of a they hit like a. The first thing I noticed was Will Wayne Coyne had this. Um, he didn't have a crooner's voice. He didn't have. He wasn't lead vocalist material. Right. right. He's got this. Um, vulnerable thin right voice that's flat and sharp a lot <laughs> and the music sounded like music that i could play um i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not you know steve drones like i'm not <laughs> he's really good i know he's really good i'm not saying that i'm good but it sounded like like that i could get there right and and the lyrics were were clever and funny. We talked about, about uh, how that was one of the things I couldn't couldn't figure out in my mind is how how come Blink of the Star isn't funny? Because my friend Jordan's freaking hilarious. Why? Why? Um, not that I you know you get tired of Ween, you get tired of you know who wants to listen to Ray Stevens all the time. But um, I don't need it to be you know 
quickity quips. Um, but it, sometimes, you know, I, I like a, a bit of levity in, in some music. And and uh, the flaming lips have, I think, just the right amount, you know, where they're, you can tell when you should take them seriously and you should tell when this is just going to be fun and you can tell when this is just supposed to be a bit of uh, use your imagination because that's where this shit came from. I thought this up. Isn't it crazy? Um, and he sounds and looks like he's, you know, this 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 guy, this, this acid guide on this freaky trip mm-hmm. and he's he's a he's an artist he's a businessman he's a he's a father now you know what i mean he's he's a very very normal guy who's got a really cool thing that he does um and and they and uh and so that was my first exposure to him was 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 that that era and then i i, I got into him a bit more when uh yoshimi versus the pink robots came out and i had a subscription to mojo magazine and they were raving about this record, and uh, and so I I I I, uh, I couldn't afford albums, and I would made no friggin' money. So I think I downloaded Elements on LimeWire, and um, it's like, wow, what is this? This is just so good, you know. Um, it was it found it to be creative. Um, the the drum sounds were enormous, and and again, the vocals were just so vulnerable. And then you get a look at the guy, you know, and um, he was by then graying. Mm-hmm. Because he's 61 years old now, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he was graying, and uh, he just seemed like an idol to me. He just seemed like doesn't matter how old or how young this guy will ever was or ever will be. He will and has always been cool. Well, I want to stop stop you right there and and ask maybe the most important question here is what is your definition of cool? The, my definition of cool is somebody who stands apart in a dignified way that possesses a presence that I wish that I had, that to me is, is remarkable. Somebody whose presence uh, is remarkable. Um, and, and it can be because they move slowly or purposefully, right. or they have certain inflections. Um, sometimes the, things that people don't like about themselves is the thing that I find that makes them really cool. And it could be a tick. It could be a, um, a stammer. It could be any number of things, but in Wayne Coyne's case, it's his voice and his gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) For the same reasons that I, 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 like I liked no means no, the band no means no. But when I found out that these guys were in their goddamn forties in the nineties, I thought, now I love these guys yeah, because yeah. Um, their coolness knows no bounds. Keith Richards is cooler now than he ever was, especially when you see him in like, you know, videos and stuff around his kids and them, the relationship he has with his daughters and, you know what I mean? His little ankle bracelet and he's just so cool. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just so cool. And I think Wayne Coyne is the same way. He's just like, um, I, there's a bit of awe. Do you know what I mean? I have a bit of, I'm in a bit of awe of him. There's something about his charisma. Um, and his presence that just uh um that's it's not really it's it's more that than than is uh than what he's done you know what i mean um he seems and he's a, he's a very unlikely rock star 
Yep. He doesn't seem to have any airs about him. He seems to be very <laughs> down to earth. He, he worked was, at Long John Silver's for 13 fucking years, man. Until 1990, after he'd From released... 77 to 1990. Right, he right. Long, he was a fry cook, like SpongeBob, for yeah. Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah. For 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've released 22 studio albums. Their newest one is their best. Uh, okay, I haven't heard that one yet. It's it's incredible. Their new record is is... If you like more musical Flaming Lips, mm. which I do, I tend to like their more musical stuff, like, you know, the Soft Bulletin, right. Yushimi, the, the, you know, um, uh, Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. This record is it's just, a, it's just, there's not a bad song on it. Wow. And, and, and it's just, it's their best goddamn record. I grew up an Elton John fan. That was my first love, right? It was Elton John because yeah. he was on the freaking Muppet show. So, the Flaming Lips have been around since what? I say 85, 80, 83, I think he said. 83? Yeah. Okay. So since I was 10 years old. So they've been around for like almost 40 years, right? Mm -hmm. Elton John was good for about 15. And then his music went to shit. It went to shit in about 1976, 77. And it has been garbage ever since. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking as a fan. Mm -hmm. Were the Flaming Lips their new album is their best do you know anything about the parking lot experiments yeah yeah absolutely i do that's, that's that, that led to what uh, zarika right i'll read uh, uh, what they wrote in the wiki page about this the concept was inspired by an incident in coin's youth where he noticed that car radios in the parking lot at a concert were playing the same songs at the same time wayne uh, wayne created 40 cassette tapes to be played in synchronization the band invited people to bring their cars to parking lots where they would be given one of the tapes and then instructed to, to start them, when to start them. And right. the music was a strange, fluid 20 minutes of sound composition. I guess he was kind of, uh, he, he was directing the, mm -hmm. the, the orchestration of when people would play what and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, have you uh, ever been to a, have you ever been to a, to a Zarika party? No, no. So, so what a Zarika party is, is so um, basically, this right after the soft bulletin, which is like their commercial breakthrough record, right? <laughs> so they made their biggest album ever, and they get this serious mainstream exposure, and then they go and make Zarika, and it's right. like the name is inspired by Zaire and Eureka, right? So they wanted this, oh, okay, the, the, a brilliant chaos, right? That's right, what right. they wanted, and um, so Zarika is a is a is a is a double album. Um, but it's on. If you buy the CD, it's four CDs. By the record, it's it's four records. Um, and the idea is that if, if it's CDs, you can get four CD players or four different cars, uh, and you put them all together. You put the CDs. You, you, you know, you've got one. I've got one. My girlfriend's got one. Her son's got one. And um, you all hit play at the same time, and it counts you down at the start. This is this is CD number one, track number one. Um, uh, and this is, it'll say this is CD number two, track number one. And anyway, and it, and it cues it up. And so you can all play it at the same time. And so one CD will have like the drums and, and keyboards on it. The other one will have vocals on it. Oh, this, the other, the other CD will have another vocal track and guitar. And the other one will have the, 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 the drums and, and some sound effects. You know what I mean? So it's like a, it's like quad, like, like quadraphonic music, right. but from four sources not one source split four ways. It's right. four, four sources meant to be listened to at once. And then because of the flaming lips, they still fuck with you. They still purposely uh, put some of the music out of sync. Right. 
<laughs> so even if you don't play everything in sync, it will make it, it will force it out of sync. Right? They also put some, some like, like serious high pitch frequencies in there that are like, that will drive your pets crazy. And like, <laughs> in some cases will continue harm. Like, so this is the people will have these, I know I, like my, my buddy was talking about having this Eureka party in, in, in Kempville there years ago. Where you know they they get a bunch of a bunch of weed and, and booze and and they back their cars together into a field and right. light a fire and and throw on Zarika on, on four different CD players at, at full blast and listen to it. And the thing about the record too is that it's really really well recorded. When you put that on and the and you hear the drums come in because mm-hmm. um, they kind of fall in in like a clumsy way and then it is like holy shit! Like the first time I ever heard like the drums and like when the levee breaks. Like it's mm-hmm. these are like. These are really, really well recorded drums, and the album sounds amazing. Right. And it's their way, I think it's their way of telling you, you know, we're not just jokers, you know. Right. Um, it may not seem like we're in control of this experience you're having, but we are. Right. Um, <laughs> but so are you, um, right. you know, so you can have a hand in this as well. And uh, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of genius. It's not, you know, not, it's not. <laughs> they're not going to um uh, uh you know have any 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 billboard hits on their hands but it's right. uh it's certainly a, quite an accomplishment if you're talking somebody up who didn't know anything about flaming lips how would you sell the flaming lips to that person to try to get them to listen to it this is a, a an at times trippy band that can play psychedelic alternative music that uh, has pop sensibilities and um and it's creative and difficult to define um, these are mm. creative musicians who are really really good and and have and have basically been successful enough that they can afford to survive um on their own creative license like they uh, i think a lot of people would, um, would feel enormous pressure to to keep having uh chart success in some form or another Mm. Um, and I think they, they managed to, uh, to, to create a situation where they don't have to worry about that so much that, um, they're, they're, they become successful at being creative, successful at being experimental. And, uh, and mm. so they can just keep doing that, right? There's, there's no record company executive saying, I don't hear a single. <laughs> no, I hope not. I hope not. You know. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about your your final pick, Chrissy Hyde. So stick with mm-hmm. us. We'll be right back on the Essence of Cool. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you like and even what you didn't like. Have you got a show or guest idea? Well, drop us a line. Our email addy is info at theessenceofcool.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now let's get back to the show. We're back on The Essence of Cool. We're talking with Doug Hebstead of Area Residence. And uh, we talked a little bit about Wayne Coyne, and uh, we're going to talk about your other pick for The Essence of Cool, Chrissy Hyde. And they're kind of similar in a way that they just they both seem to be very down to earth, uh, no nonsense, although Chrissy's certainly not as experimental as, uh, as Wayne is. Do you remember the first time you heard The Pretenders? Yep, I do. Um, 
It was, I had, uh, I was probably, I was in high school. I was probably in, I don't know, probably in grade 10. Mm -hmm. So early in high school. And um, I was at a record store in the West End Mall in Pembroke. Um, and uh, going through the delete bin, mm -hmm. right? Which is where they, they put records that were, that were, you know, not selling anymore or were no longer being pressed or whatever. So you'd, you know, you'd find, you know, stuff in there that was, um, anyway, was, was cheaper. Mm -hmm. And I was flipping through there one day and I found this red album called Concerts for the People of Kampuchea. Kampuchea, yeah. And it was, um, and, and it's, you know, it's a, uh, this is a benefit concert, like pre-Live Aid, I think 1979, this concert was. Right. And it featured mm -hmm. uh, Wings and Elvis Costello and the Attractions and The Who and The Clash and uh, Ian Dury and the Blackheart, but, you know, Blockheads. Ian Dury and, and the Blockheads, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Rockpile and uh, Nick Lowe and The Pretenders. And there were, I think, three songs that, that started the side two or side three. of It's a double album set by The Pretenders. And the first one, I think, was Precious. It just blew me away. It just it just blew me away. There's a song called "The Weight," which um, I I wasn't familiar with the Pretenders apart from their single uh, "Brass in Pocket," right? Mm -hmm. um, special, mm -hmm. so special, big hit. Uh, and then, so I I didn't know that they were a band that that rocked. And on comes "The Weight." It's got it's got just jagged, fist punched. Telecaster, like na 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 na, na right? Two guitars, great drummer, uh, really lyrical bass player, like the kind you got in in, in the attractions. Mm -hmm. And and uh, but it's Chrissy Hines' delivery. Like yes. I've said this before to people that the most important thing with a vocalist to me is not that they can like, oh, who's the greatest vocalist of all time? Oh, it's Robert Plant, whatever. No, it's not. You know, yeah, he's got like distinctive voice or adultery or whoever, but. It's the people and their phrasing. It's their phrasing. And my father was a big band guy. Mm -hmm. And this is what he always said about Frank Sinatra. The thing that made Frank Sinatra great was his phrasing, right? right? Um, and it's the same thing with Chrissy Hines. the same thing with Wayne Coyne. It's the same thing with Chrissy Hines. She's got this voice that's, that's a, what do they call it? A lower register woman's voice. It's distinctive. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's spoken. And sometimes she kind of whispers where she has this sort of sarcastic coy thing that she does. Um, and then sometimes she belts and she can, uh, she can be very sarcastic. She can, she, she portrays the sarcasm and, and can be very, very dominant mm -hmm. um, in her space. Um, she can be dominant in her perspective that she's singing from, even if she's singing about being taken advantage of, right. or in many cases, sexually assaulted. She has a way of singing about being sexually assaulted that makes her dominant in that position. Right. Like, it's hard for me to explain. It's like a credibility, because I'm speaking to somebody that doesn't know her or what she's even really singing about. I'm like at first blush, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. she, it just comes across as somebody that's, that has fully absorbed the experiences that she's had. Yeah. Um, and the way she articulates them through the phrasing and her choice of words is fantastic because there's no pretension. There's no stupid lyrics. There's no... You know, her lyrics are, right. are unpretentious and clever. Um, and the music ranges between being really aggressive and edgy to being, in some cases, poppy, and in some cases, really, really sparse. And even on the first album of theirs, there's a, 
there's a there's a goddamn instrumental too. Yeah. You know, um, Space Invader, right. which <laughs> if you played the video game, that's what the song's gonna make you think of. It's right. it's kind of sounds like that, and I'm pretty sure that's what it's about. Um, she just looks like nobody else. Yeah. Kind of vaguely reminded me of of Susie Quattro. You know what I mean? Um, right. Um, but she kind of had that the eye makeup that that didn't make her eyes look bigger. Just like Elvis, just sort of mysterious. Yeah. Um, and really, really straight hair, tight pants. She looked serious. You know, I look back over, or I look at look at pictures of her now online, and, and you see her, you know, smiling and and, and looking pretty happy. But she, this was this was a, a a person who had a mission. Yeah. Uh, and she knew it early. She knew it when she was in high school yeah. that that she was in, a, in in the states and small town, small town USA, and and had no interest in, in her peers. She thought none of these people have anything for me. My future does not lie with any of these fucking jokers. Yeah. I don't need to go to a dance with any of these people or hang out with these people or date or do anything with these people because my future is in is in rock music and it ain't here. Yeah. And so she just she just put her head down, did her time, and got the fuck out. Yeah. And uh, and and then. Got to England during the time when the Sex Pistols were were everyone was in a damn band. Well, you know what well I mean? actually, and, prior to because she actually yeah. helped put the Pistols together, right? And when yeah. and I guess and she played with like an early element of the Dam too. Right? She she was kicked out. Yes, yeah, <laughs> before, out before they called themselves the Dam. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but everyone she knew was in a damn band, and yeah. she was just desperate, desperate to be in in one of these bands until she realized that her own music was she was the band like she needs to put together the band it's not joining some band she needed to to do it and uh, that was the conundrum about her because uh, she was desperate to be in music but she didn't want to be a solo act it had to be a band well yeah she probably knows damn well as a woman in as a as a woman being a solo act in in the 1970s early 80s they're going to try to make her pat benatar or they're going to you know what i mean if you want it, if you want a, a, a deal, then you better look like this for us. Yeah. You got to This is going to be. This is how you're going to be portrayed. The industry, I think, was was rather ruthless and, and close-minded with how it treated women. And even Blondie was the same. You know, like when I was a little kid, I thought Debbie Harry was Blondie, but Blondie was the band. But she had this band right. um, and a and a pretty big fan base in New York City to 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 back herself up. But this is how she avoided. You know. She was a band as well. She was in a band as well that helped protect her from being forced into into a particular persona or iconry. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Chrissy Hind, I think, you know, it was the Pretenders, not Chrissy Hind. And I think that 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 was a, that was a really good choice of hers yeah. to protect herself. Like not everybody can be Johnny Mitchell. Not everybody yeah. <laughs> yeah. is going to do what they're going to do, no matter what. Yeah, but she was really picky about who she wanted the band and trying to find the right person, people that that she would jive with. And she cites uh, Lemmy as the person who sort of was the the, the linchpin. He helped her on that on that path because he introduced her to a drummer from Her- Hereford, who didn't end up being the the drummer, but led mm-hmm. her to Martin Chambers and then eventually James right. Honeyman Scott and Pete Farndon. Um, I guess yeah, and, and Chambers is the only one that she still still plays with. Well, the um, other two are dead. So. The other two, the other two are dead. But I mean, but she still she still plays with Chambers. But I mean, oh, like he, they just got back Farndon, together. Yeah. Farndon, she she fired Farndon. That's right. And 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 Honeyman Scott died of a drug overdose. So right? yeah, so they had uh, they were starting to write the third album, 
And um, in fact, back in the Chiefs working on back in the chain gang with uh, with Honeyman Scott, um, they realized that Farden was just way too drug addled to be of any use to them. So they uh, they got the manager to go up. They were all sitting in the car down in his, in front of his flat, and they shoved the the manager upstairs to uh, to fire him. Came down, and within and two days later, Honeyman Scott tragically died of a cocaine overdose or something affiliated with cocaine use in any case. So she was left with, uh, you know, she was left with her and Chambers and that was it. So she had to sort of rebuild uh, from there. But she, I mean, she comes by that edginess, um, both in her lyrics and sonically really, um, uh, she comes by it honestly, because she was, I mean, as you say, she was in the thick of the punk world she helped uh mclaren i mean she worked with uh vivian westwood at, and, yeah. and worked at the, she worked at sex she, she worked it at was sex? before it was actually named sex although if you looked at the pistols documentary or the the uh, series they call it sex but they've, they've got a couple of the facts wrong in any right. case yeah she was working with uh, with malcolm and uh vivian and she was instrumental in in putting uh putting the pistols together and as you say she played with a you know precursor of the damned and uh, she was hanging out with with lemmy but she said she loved punk and at the time everybody loved uh loved reggae too so you can certain certainly in those first couple of albums you can clearly hear both of those influences mm-hmm. um but she did i mean as the her in, in terms of the name of you also hear the you also hear the kinks which became obvious <laughs> connection there right because yeah. i think that was their first single was 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 uh was stop your sobbing right um that's right it was the, the kinks cover it was yeah. Yeah. and then and that's before she started seeing before she uh, met ray, yeah. ray davies yeah, yeah. they have a they have a they have, they have a have a kid together they do they do and she's got kids with uh, jim kerr of simple minds as well right yeah but she said that the one thing that has remained a constant for her in the early years was the passion and the drive for music and she wasn't going to give up until she put the band together so i mean thank god she finally did but it was like it was late in the game it was uh 78 79 and all of the you know bands that she had seen crop up in the punk uh, in the punk movement were sort of came and went um so it, it was great to finally see that she she uh, was able to get the band together but she was tw- 27 or 28 by the time she mm-hmm. got that band together so you know in rock and roll terms kind of a, a an old geezer by then well that's probably why the the record sounds more mature than a lot of the the um, you know the uh, first albums of the you know proto punk and punk and, and uh, new wave and, and post punk stuff it's it's a very mature record. It's got, mm. it's, it's, it's daring. Um, there are a lot of songs there that are, that there's some, some, some big ballads that, um, that really require a lot of the listener. Mm. Um, and then there's some, some just rippers, you know, like the, the telephone call and up the neck and mm. tattooed love boys and stuff, you know, and, um, and there's swearing too, like they, in, in precious, she famously drops the, 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 the F-bomb, F-bomb, right. Yeah. And, um, uh, which is just, I thought that was the, like for me when I was a kid, it's like oh, that's so cool. And you could hear yeah. her spit when she says it too. Yeah. You know? Look at me, baby, you're too precious. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> but it's also the way she says "fuck off," yeah. which is like um, if you just say, you know, um, where to put my fucking pen. Like that's just that's just a, you know, it's just basically uh, it's 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 basically just um, it's a beat right in there. It's just right. a beat. It's just a syllable. Right. Um, and but when she's saying fuck off she means oh, it. like yeah. she's 
she she means fuck off. <laughs> Don't just go, but fucking go with shame and get that fuck away from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know you're kind. I know what you're up about. I know what you're all about. Just fuck yeah. off. And you can you can tell it just in the way she says it. It's that I'm talking. It's the, it's the phrasing. It's the, it's how she does everything. Even telling, even dropping f bombs when she does it. She does it. She knows how she knows. It. Yeah, it's just it's like compelling. Yeah. Um, I was just yeah. I was uh, all. I was obsessed with that record when I when I got it just for months and months and months. Yeah. Um, listening to it at night, uh, going to bed and stuff, and you know. Um, it's just it's it's really quite a quite a good album yeah. it's, and uh, and it's their best album which is you know I, I hate when that happens when the first album is the best but um have you heard the most recent one hate for sale from 2020 no, i've not it's it really harkens back to the the first two albums it's um that same kind of balance there's a lot of really edgy sort of punk influenced um rippers uh you know a couple of some more more reggae style um but really potent you know it's like uh it's like she was 27 all over again you know mm -hmm. really kind of a brilliant I'm reading a, an article an interview with her in mojo magazine on an airplane once and uh about her you know sort of being content to be a she was basically for a number of years the mom right yeah. like she was just completely withdrew and just was like, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, a mom. And, and the way she talked about that made that sound cool even, um, you know, uh, because she, just like I said about everything else, she does it with such um, ownership and authority. Do you know what I mean? She's just She's a very owned, authentic person. Owned it. Yeah. She's very unapologetic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. About the situations that she ends up in and whether she would have, chosen them or not do you know what i mean um she seems to seems to put her signature on it yeah yeah she isn't again like like wayne she doesn't put on any airs whatsoever she still lives in a in a just a a really normal flat in london i think it's in north london um that's you know a, 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 a really normal flat in north london it's probably three million pounds though, you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean fair enough but it's not like she has a you know the rod stewart estate or you know sure. she she lives in the city she you know she does her own shopping and whatnot and she's very down to earth uh, what would you say is the essence of cool about chrissy hind it's her style. It's her her reservation. It's her intensity. Mm. It's the it's her chill. Do you know what I mean? It's her. Yeah. She's not going to get excited. She's not going to get. Um, she doesn't seem like an impulsive person to me, uh, and I respect that because I am. I'm ADHD. She just seems smart. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, you know. Um, she just 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 owns her space. You know. Yeah. She just she's Chrissy Holmes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I just find her to be a, a larger-than-life presence yeah. and uh, a voice of authority for me. She's she's someone who's 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 you know lyrics and stuff I've listened really closely to and thought about. If there are repeated words in different verses, I look into how she says them differently uh, or similarly each time to try to get some sense of whether their meaning has changed. Um, hmm. Just pay really close attention because I find her um, fascinating, and I want to make sure I'm I'm getting all of it. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything because I think she, 
certainly during that era that that I just you know that 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 early era that I first heard there was there was a lot to uh, to sink your teeth into and I wanted to make sure I got everything out of it. Listen, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and uh, talking about you and talking about Area Resident and, of course, Wayne and Wayne and Christy. One of the great things about this podcast for me is that uh, people introduce me to, to artists, again, that you know I know little about and it sort of broadens my understanding and I'm introduced to, to music that uh, is amazing. And You know more about them than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Doug. I appreciate it. No worries. No worries. Thank you. My sincere thanks to Doug for giving us a glimpse into his process and for being so open about getting sober. I am forever in his debt. Find his music on Bandcamp at arearesident.bandcamp.com or look him up on the Circus Records website, circus.com. That's S-U-R-K-E-U-S. I'm Bernard Fraser saying thanks for listening and please support independent artists. Music